Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back. It's the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Fisher Disciples, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Cry to the Boys. We're in Dallas, had a bye week in Houston. We are back at home this past weekend in DKR, taking on the BYU Cougars in our first matchup with them as they're in the Big 12. They have had our number in the past. Not the case this time. The Horns cover the 19-point spread. The game goes under 35-6 to six is the tune they win, bringing our conference record to 4-1, and one, which is fantastic, gentlemen. Malik Murphy got his first start. Cole Hudson came back, had a limited snap count with 19 snaps. Ryan Watts came back, no limited snap count. He was targeted twice, zero receptions on him. Great to have him back in the mix, a guy that we felt is very pivotal to our hopeful playoff run. And more, maybe more importantly, in the interim, getting through the Big 12 on scathed and seeing how things play out but i would say maybe from an offensive standpoint not an excellent game but from the defense you, you really can't ask for much more um and so i'll start off with things we liked and things we didn't like very simple segment name but we'll go around the horn and i'll start off with something i liked uh i i really really liked the way we tackled and i really liked you know, us getting in there in the backfield and getting the tackles for losses. Sack numbers weren't out the roof, but 12 tackles for a loss is absolutely fantastic out of the defense. Um, and we made Keaton Slovis, who's an experienced quarterback, and he there was a time where he thought to be the prince that was promised for the USC Trojans. We made his life uh, a living hell, um, you know, in BYU's game at, at DKR. And it was really great to see our defense bounce back after they broke, admittedly, in the last drive against Oklahoma, after they let to be the uh, sorry the Houston Cougars back into the game last weekend it was great to see them have a bounce back game and hold the BYU Cougars who had a decent offense to under 10 points yeah yeah I love the point on the tackling um I think my my takeaway you know part of this is in reflection of of the defense's good play um but also you know our, our, our talented playmakers who stepped up mm -hmm. in in certain moments takeaway for me is just it's really good to see in a game like this that we have a ton of nfl talent on the field and in a different way and i know we, we said this at the beginning of the season but now eight games in like we i can say it at least personally with more certainty i look across you know this roster and just watching these games on saturday and there are some guys like we might end up with three first round picks we we have not only do we have guys that are going to end up in the nfl but we have more guys in the first three rounds than we have had since 2009, maybe 2011's team. And, you know, all credit to Sark and and his, you know, the rest of the development squad and, and the assistant coaches. Um, but I, you know, I'll just list off really quickly. Like, JB is going to be a running back in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you the list. Running back taken in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, those first round picks that I'm talking about, you know, that's it's worthy. It's Mitchell. It's... Um, it's Jatavian Sanders. You know, I, I expect even Whittington will get on a roster. And then, you know, Hill's not eligible for a draft yet, but he certainly will be going to the bigs. Jalen Ford, Sweat. Um, you Sweat know, to be a first-round pick, late first-round pick, early second-round pick, man. He just keeps getting better and better every week, to be honest. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Baron is is absolutely Thank going yeah, to be a professional. A really one. Yeah. Um, I mean, this team is really, really talented, and I, I was just happy to see that for our guys. So that, so that was my positive takeaway. Yeah, I mean, we've as Texas fans, we've had years where there's never been a guy taken in the draft. Yeah, like crazy. The, there's literally a, a year where it's just all undrafted free agents that go, and so. For you to say that, I mean, I completely agree, one, and you texted us that, and I was thinking the exact same thing when JT made that one-handed catch that Malik fit right, you know, perfectly in the hole. He got popped and he held on to it. I mean, that's a big boy NFL catch um, all across the board. Uh, I mean, my takeaway, I feel like a game like this, we're going to have very similar takeaways because it's just pretty cut and dry how the game went. Um, you know, I'm really impressed with how the line played. Uh, both sides, obviously, but mainly the offensive side, in my opinion, um, you know, getting us able to get big run blocks and and put up big running numbers. And then, of course, keeping Malik pretty healthy in the pocket, you know, not not giving up um, many sacks. I think he had, they had one sack on him. So, I mean, that was a big game for him to stay on his feet, you know, where we didn't need him to go down at all. I mean, he didn't really have any rushes, but keeping him healthy, giving him time to have his confidence get built up. I think that was a big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, negative takeaways. Um, I think, I think I will just say the negative sides of Malik's debut because I guess like all things there's considered, like there's pretty yeah, obvious ones. There's pretty obvious ones. Like getting like, like having his confidence build up is great. And it is his first start. We remember Quinn's first start last year. We expected the world and it wasn't like this big boom of a start. Um, so there is going to be growing pains. Um, he's not, a, he's, he, he's not a pocket. He's a pocket passer. He's not a rusher. He's not a mover. Like he's in the pocket. And I think, you know, for better or for worse, I think people just assume he's going to be a runner, but he's not like he, he, he is a pocket, true pocket passer. So, um, I, I think allowing him time to develop, uh, I loved how he was excited before the game, like before the, the pre, the first snap, he's hyping up the crowd. Like, look, he's into it. He's bringing his swagger. He's bringing his confidence. He just needs to really, if he is going to be a pocket passer, he needs to stand strong and he needs to stop throwing off his back foot and he needs to strike and deliver every, I texted you guys, like every ball was either almost, almost every single ball was either late, had too much air under it, um, thrown behind the receiver too high or too low. Like, and he has the talent and on the balls, like there are certain balls where he dropped like the Javon Sanders ball was nice. Like there's certain balls where he dropped it in there. There, there, there were some really pretty balls. So I don't want to say every ball generalize, but I think by and large, he needs to match his talent with his efficiency and consistency. So there was a general lack of consistent consistency and there was a general lack of efficiency. And if he kind of maybe takes away the jitters of, hey, this is my first start. Hey, like, you know, like I, it's the, the pressures of being playing for Texas, the pressures of the season now, like it's not first game of the season. Like this, these are games that are huge. We've already had our quote unquote one loss. And we just saw in the rankings, not the tease, like we're going to discuss later, like, oh, you lost to Kansas and they dropped behind us. They've beaten us. Oh, you's ranked 10 right now. So like a loss, like a loss to BYU, a loss to Kansas State is detrimental. Like if we could lose our shot at the final Big 12 championship. We could lose, obviously, the playoffs. So there is a lot of pressures, not only being the quarterback for the University of Texas, but there's pressures on keeping the season alive. So I think once he kind of like gets all that under his belt and kind of can relax and play his game, I'm hoping that he can, you know, eradicate like all those things I just said about like late throws, air under the throw, throws behind, and, and really throw that zip that we've seen in the past. Um, and hit our receivers who are unbelievably talented. 
like 80 Mitchell is, is a beast. So I would, uh, there he is, Bevo the dog, the, the new mascot. What's up, baby? Yeah, I mean, so, he's the good luck charm of the season. He's the good luck. We are undefeated with Bevo, 2 0 with Bevo the dog. But I would like to see Malik settle down, I think, you know, in long is the final line I would say. I would like to see him settle down and, and relax and really play his game. Yeah, this yeah. is not my negative takeaway, but just adding on to what you're talking about with Malik. Uh, I hear you on all the the throws and and everything like that, but to me, it's more so the decision-making. Um, when the pocket collapsed and you know he throws the errant pass out to the right side of the field and it goes right into the defender's hands, uh, you can't have that mental mistake, right? You have mm. to either eat the sack or you figure out a way to to beat the edge guy and throw the ball away. Um, or you have to look at your safety valve and throw it at his feet. Whatever it is, right? You have you can't make the mistake of giving the other team the ball on an easy turnover, right? Like that. So, and it was a lollipop throw too. It wasn't even like yeah. he like jetted that thing to the to the defender's hand, hands. Um, so I think it's just something, and this is probably off-season work for him, but if he is a true pocket passer and he doesn't have the mobility of a guy like Quinn, then it's understanding how to read the edges, how to read your offensive line, how to step up in the pocket, knowing where to go, not necessarily breaking out of the pocket, but knowing how to move within the pocket. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one thing that you know I'd like to see him continue to work on. And, and again, like I mentioned, it's probably more so off-season work than, than you know between weeks right now. But... I do feel like, and I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on this. You feel like with how much Sark gave him the opportunity to throw the football, that he might be a little bit more worried about Quinn's health than is being led on. Um, I don't think that's what I, my takeaway from that was. I think it's the smart thing to bring up. I think what he was trying to do coming out the gate with Malik throwing, like, look, if Malik comes out throwing hot. All of a sudden, they, like they don't BYU's defense doesn't know what they're getting with Malik Murphy. It's his first game, so right. if he comes out and we're throwing hot, he's completing passes and he looks dangerous. That ultimately opens up the game for our actual most dangerous player in Jonathan Brooks. So it, it, coming in and like throwing the ball as much as he was, a he's trying to get him in rhythm, trying to get reps, and b he's trying to create the the feel of a threat from our passing attack, which yeah. is ultimately which ultimately dissipated when we lost Quinn Ewers. So if we have that threat, then ultimately our running game and Brooks had a really good game still, but it wasn't his best game, right? So we really needed to re and and you know what we were up by a lot, and he's and when you're up by a lot, you want to anticipate him like you know going for a hundred. 150 yards but he didn't he even touch 100 yards so i think that create wanted the idea behind malik throwing a lot was to create the threat of the pass game to open up the run game i don't think it really had to do with quinn's injury yeah and a lot yeah. of those first three drives are normally scripted plays anyway so you're, you're yeah you're, you're probably right on the money there i had that thought though i was like okay why are we coming out throwing so much and i think i, kind of, I understood it i mean I, I did want to see brooks get involved earlier on but I mean, I think it's a big confidence builder. It's like, hey, look, you're yeah. our guy. Go out and, and build the confidence early on, you know, when you have the luxury of of being at 0-0. Zero, zero. You know, if it's a case where we're down by a touchdown already, we're down by 14 points, you know, and you're, we're trying to force things and climb back in it, then, you know, it could be a little tough to build the confidence and, and you know, get the chemistry with the guys. So I understand a little bit. One of my negative takeaways, and this is just more of like a um, a game management thing, is I just would have liked to see more – out of some of the guys that are not necessarily the starters, the the, the key pieces. Cause I mean, like this was a blowout win. We won by 29 points and like, we didn't really see John Tay cook involved, you know, like would have loved to see Casey can get involved. Would have loved to see, you know, Gunnar Helm get involved. Like 
those are the guys, you know, that eventually will take over the program, you know, when these guys go to the NFL. And I think games like this, it's meaningful to get those guys snaps and to get them reps and to get them also confidence. And, you know, if Malik is our quarterback next season, getting Jonte a meaningful catch at it from Malik is, is like a big thing in my opinion. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily what was on, you know, the mind of, of Sark, but at the end of the day, like if it's a game like this, I'd love to see everyone get some, some reps in. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I'd say like Jaden blue basically was the only guy out of that group yeah. that got, his he was great. He was great. And he gets more opportunities than guys like Kane, and he gets more opportunities than guys like to begin with. Yeah. To begin with. Yeah. And cook. I, we were talking about this. We run a, we run a really tight rotation. Like we don't do a lot of like, again, like when I watch USC, they, they're, there's a lot of personnel moving in and out. Um, and I think that is a testament to Caleb's understanding of the offense. I think when you have like a guy like Malik, who's so new switching personnel so frequently is very, it could be very jarring. So while in, if Quinn was in and we were blowing them out, I think we maybe would have seen Malik come in and we would have seen the second unit come in with Malik. But having the starters and continuing to get those reps with the starters, like every rep is valuable, even if you're blowing them out with Malik. So I think maybe keeping a tight rotation to keep things as consistent and congruent as possible for him is maybe why that happened. But I would have liked to see that. I do. I mean, we're seeing more and more of red which is cool in that package. And yeah. uh, it's nice. Like when we saw that maybe seven, eight years ago or whatever with the 18 wheeler package, it was almost out of desperation, right? It was almost like, all right, we don't know what to do with these guys anymore. So we just have to move them around the field and create these new packages to hopefully get something going where I think this new package with red. And when we bring him in, it's more of a player, like more like a utility player. It's more of a tool. So I think, you know, that's just another like back pocket thing that Sark's creating in the offense, um, which has been pretty nice. I'll get to my three stars. Um, I'll list them out really quickly for you guys. I got to shout out Michael Taff, who was a walk-on, who was instrumental in recruiting Arch Manning. And that was like the walk-on that was helpful in recruiting him. And to see him come into this game and get a takeaway um, in the defensive backfield was awesome. Uh, you already mentioned Jade Barron, Toss, but that was his second best you know, rated game on PFF. Uh, he, once again, is fantastic. He's a senior. He's probably like a fifth or sixth round pick, but I, I truthfully think he's a guy that's going to the pros. And then sophomore Justice Finkley, I think he's starting to get into the mix really nicely. Um, and he had a really good game against the BYU Cougars. I was really pleasantly surprised. And he was a guy that we were pretty psyched about when he was a recruit. Um, so to see him get in there, he had a sack, he had a tackle for a loss, you know, one of our two sacks. I, I, I thought that was a really nice game by him. So those are my three stars across the board. Yeah, I uh, I had Baron as one of my guys too, and I'd honestly love to see him go even earlier in a draft. Like you mentioned, the tackling at the beginning that that guy does not miss tackles, mm -hmm. and he makes big tackles behind the line of scrimmage too. And as a defensive back, to be able to have that ability, that physicality, um, you know, I hope someone takes a chance on him in the fourth round, and and we'll see once we get to the draft. But mm -hmm. I really, really love that guy. Um, he literally had zero missed percentage on his tackle sorry to cut you but i'm looking no. at it right here like he had four tackles and he didn't miss a single one so you're 100 right he doesn't miss yeah um and he's such an energy player for us too i think he, he's always stepping up um in big moments and the one thing i will say about nick what you were saying about you know it, the final score was a blowout this game was for the most part of the third quarter, 21 to six. And I kind of felt like, okay, if they do get one play on us and our defense has been out there for a lot of this game, 
then it's a one score game. And then this is a totally different script, but our defense held strong. And I probably should have, you know, at least two of my three kind of takeaway guys as defensive players. I don't. Um, and maybe that's just me taking for granted how good this defensive line has been, because I think mm. any one of our interior defensive linemen could be on, uh, you know, the top three kind of impact players of the week. But I, I had Baron, I had Xavier Worthy, because I think taking that punt to the house as your first score when you have a quarterback who has not started a game in college takes so much pressure off of him. And yeah. I, I know <clears throat> X-Man didn't even have 30 receiving yards. He had four catches, so he was quiet in that respect. Um, but what he was able to do for our special teams unit to take that to the house and to have a couple of other returns where he got 10-plus yards as well, um, it's just another kind of Savion Red-esque tool that our team has in effort to score points week in, week out that we haven't really had um, in past years. Like, you know, it takes it back to like the Marquise Goodwin days as a return man. Um, I know I know Duvernay had a, maybe a couple that he returned for touchdowns, but when X hits that second level, I, no one can catch him. He is mm. so fast. Um, and then my third guy was A.D. Mitchell because, again, I, I mentioned we probably, we, we might end up having three first-round picks. What X can do with his speed um, and off the break, AD can do with contested catches, finding the right spot on the field. And that is an indispensable trait for any wide receiver. It doesn't matter if you can beat your guy off the jump. It doesn't matter if you can get five yards of separation, because if you always make the catch and you're always in the right place for your quarterback, there is a spot for you on NFL teams. And I think once again, AD Mitchell did that with a guy, of course, who he's working with in practice, but on game day, it's different. And those two touchdown catches, um, a lot of that credit goes to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my first star is going to go back to being just the entire O-line. Um, like I said, keeping Malik pretty clean and healthy in the pocket. And then, you know, getting our running our run game to be average, you know, over five yards of carry is great. Anytime you have that, it's a, it's a good recipe for success and probably can get a win in, in the win column. So the whole O-line gets it. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys there that are probably – maybe every single one of them might hit the NFL, honestly. Um my second one is Tavondre Sweat. I mean, he was the highest rated defensive lineman, I think, in the Big 12 this week. And he just continues to get better, as you said, Josh. This is a guy that, you know, I really think, you know, could be a, an all-conference player. You know, might might end up being a, a first-round draft pick. And so when you have a D-line like that, you know, they're game planning for I mean, we, we talked to our guy Caleb, um, you know, when he was breaking down the, the OU game with us. And he was saying the big boys up front, th- those were he was highlighting, you know, those are the stars of our, of our defense, he thinks. So yeah. um, that's another one. And then I just think Anthony Hill, man, he just keeps getting better and better. You know, I know he's a freshman yeah. and he doesn't play as many snaps as, you know, all the starters do. But when he gets in there, he makes his presence known. And I, I think that he's going to be one of those forces to be wrecking with, you know, next season. And I mean, already he's, he's putting up crazy numbers this season. But when he's he's ready to be a full-time starter – and he's going to take the entire nation by storm. And you're going to get that love that like Devin White got, that like Patrick Queen got, that, you know, those type of, uh, like Isaiah Simmons, those type of defensive players get where you always need to know where he is on the field. He's always going to be making those those big plays in prime time. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, those, those are my highlights for right now. Yeah, I think you did a really good job in the offensive line highlights. All I think f- we had four guys graded. 80 plus in PFF and then Tavondre Sweat not only was the highest grade defender, like what do you say? The highest grade Big 12 defender this week? Yeah. So he's the he's the highest graded interior defensive lineman in the nation for the year. There you go. 
So I, I think maybe at this rate, we're past the point and not to discredit you, but I think, but I think we are in a good way. Like we're past the point of like, Hey, maybe he's an all conference player. And we, we may be talking about an all American here. Yeah. And to have, to have an all American of the defensive line position, like you want to tell me, are you ready for the SEC? That's it. That is, that's the proof in the pudding in a nutshell. Like I can tell you that we're ready for the SEC because at the position where people said we weren't ready for the SEC, we're about to have an all American. So I, it, that, that to me is very important. Jonathan Brooks also in the top five of his position, but we know what he is. Um, and he's receiving numbers. I'm, I'm hoping he could surpass what Bijan did. And Bijan was in the 300s last year. He's at two something right now. Jonathan Brooks, low 200s. Um, and the last thing, I didn't say it in my takeaway, but I'm going to cheat here. Um, stop with the goal line. Take the points, dude. Take the Yeah. Point. It's over. Like, it, he's like, now it's like you're trying to get the monkey off of your back and prove to yourself you can do it. Like, it, it, it's becoming ridiculous. Like, it's three times in a row now. Like, and that's points, man. Like we could have used the points, you know, in OU, we could have used the points and I get, and it's a big game and that game is different, but take the points in the BYU game. Cause you never know when you need them. Right. And so I, I in, a, in a conference game, those can get sketchy. Um, so stop, just stop trying yeah. to punch it in and, and, I, <laughs> and, and get that goal line move. I completely agree. I, I didn't give my take my negative takeaway earlier and I'll throw it in and I'll lump it in with you saying, take the points to, to Sark. I actually, and I understand acknowledging that like a lot of times the script is set at the beginning of the game and understanding that Josh, your point about getting Malik comfortable and also keeping the defense on their heels early um, is something that, that had a lot of benefit for things opening up for the rest of the game. I still don't like seeing Jonathan Brooks at the end of the day with 16 carries. And I also don't like seeing, him through three drives, having touched the ball twice. Like mm -hmm. I, I get all of that, that, that you put on the table and I understand where it's coming from. But at the end of the day, this guy through eight games is having a better season than B. John Robinson. Like he is right now the identity of our offense, or in my opinion should be, especially when we have our backup quarterback in there and he eats in the middle of the field. He doesn't eat in the red zone. He's not that type back. That's, that's not where his specialty is. And so I, I think we're doing a little bit of a disservice to the guy who was the best running back in the power five, uh, going into two weeks ago. And now mm -hmm. he might not be right. And I think that he's an instrumental part of our offense and our success for the rest of the season. And I would have liked to have seen him be used earlier in this game and be used more, more frequently. Um, and maybe it just wasn't the matchup, but I didn't feel like the guys being in the box was too big of, of a task for him to, to get past because mm -hmm. he's able to make those cuts and those reads in a Bijan esque type of way. Very patient runner. So such a patient runner. Um, so I, I just was a little frustrated by the play calling, at least for like the first three or four drives, but you know, it happens. And, and I think it was compounded with the fact that then Malik had a turnover. Right then, I was like, "Okay, really, what are we doing here?" Because this game is way too close. It's way closer than it should be in the first half. But obviously, everything ended up all right. It's more so just kind of like we can't continue to have games where we play at seventy percent capacity going forward when the pressure is so high on us. And these other teams will always give us their best. Um, and our defense was able to bail us out this week. But all in all, I look at this BYU team, and I am completely unimpressed in comparison to some of the other. 
players or and players and teams that we've played thus far in the season. And I know that playing Kansas State next week uh, will be no slouch, as we like to say, because they just had a very impressive win in Manhattan, and now they're going to go down to DKR and they're they're going to be gunning for us. Their losses aren't bad. They've lost to Mizzou, who's ranked. They've they, the Mizzou has bounced back this year. They're at top fifteen. And they've lost at Oklahoma State, so losing in Stillwater to a team that's six and two and is the twenty sixth ranked team. They received the most votes, not in the top twenty five. They host Oklahoma. That's a big game we're all watching this week. Like, and to go now, we go kind of jut into the rest of college football. Like, you know that those are big games to keep an eye on. Kansas State, like we're saying, is ain't, ain't no slouch, and they're going to come to give us our their best. And they want to go to they want to go to the Big Twelve Championship just like we do. Like they want that just as much as we do, and so they're playing for something. Um, around college football, JMU Jalen Green, I think is. Four and a half sacks away from tying Elvis Jumerville's record for sacks in a season from JMU. Shout out to Patrick Murph Murphy, um, our JMU friend alum. Uh, they're eight and zero. They're twenty ranked twenty three. Air Force is eight and zero. They're ranked seventeen. We're ranked seventh. Oregon jumped us. Nick was a bit peeved yesterday as to why Oregon jumped us, but they went into Utah after Utah went into USC. They beat Utah. Um, I think ultimately they're a better team. Honestly, I don't know. This is, I know Washington beat them, but it was in Washington and Dan. Lane again take the points didn't um i think oregon is a more dangerous team uh tooth and nail than washington on uneven soil and so i i'm happy that washington beat them and washington's not look good they barely beat arizona state they lost to a they they almost lost to a terrible stanford team uh the score is 42 33 but that's a lot closer than it was it was 35 33 uh stanford didn't you know get the extra uh to make it closer it was, it was washington that like put that extra points on the board and unfortunately, we're in a space where we're rooting for Florida State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia to lose. I don't foresee Georgia losing. They have a lot of they have tough games, but the most of their games are at home. Florida State is you can only pray that they drop a game. They looked pretty good against Wake Forest. Um, and then look, we'll see Michigan and Ohio State. One of them will lose. Um, and I, I'm hope as at my heart, you guys know I root for Ohio State, so I'm hoping Ohio State wins. But from as, as a Texas standpoint, I'm hoping Michigan beats them and beats them pretty handily, um, which I think is plausible with the way Kyle McCord's been playing and the way that Michigan defense has been playing. Because um, I think that'll exclude Ohio State from the playoffs as an at-large bid. So I think I feel better. I feel better about Ohio State trying to be an at-large bid than I do Michigan. That scares me a bit more. So I, I think we're pro- and as Texas fans, we're pulling for Michigan in that one. Um, and then yeah, look. OU, they have a they they're behind us now. So we'll see how the committee does when the college football playoff committee comes into the mix. But that's this week, right? I think that's this um, week. Uh, yeah. Um, so Wednesday tomorrow. Tuesday? <laughs> I think it's I think it's yeah it's Tuesday. Tuesdays. Yeah. So we'll see how they where they put and fit everybody. I'd be surprised that they put us um, in front of Oklahoma, but you never know. I mean, we we've seen stranger things in the past, like that Baylor TCU moment where like one of the I think Baylor won, but they put TCU ahead of them. It was super bizarre. Hey, um, we, I mean, neutral site game, obviously close yeah. game. They score at the very end, but they lose to Kansas, a team that we beat. Um, and flick bean quarter, baby. Yeah, shout out to Mansfield, Texas. You know, Jason Bean. Uh, starting Rick. starting with the mean green, then going to KU, Rock Chalk, beating the Oklahoma Sooners. So we appreciate his hard work uh, in, in, in knocking those guys off. But yeah, I mean, I, I think what they've displayed over the last two weeks is that they can be just as shaky as some of the other teams that have lost, that are one-loss teams that are at the top of their um, respective conferences, right? Like 
Gabriel did not throw the ball well in in Lawrence. He was he was bad through the air. Um, he ran the ball well, and they ran the ball well as a team, but he wasn't able to get it done as he was in Dallas against the Horns. So everyone's vulnerable. We thought, you know, three weeks ago that the Big 12 was really just a two-horse race, but these other teams, like you mentioned, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, are in the mix. They've, they've been in the mix in the last five to seven years, those two teams specifically. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've got to take care of business the rest of the way. And just like, you know, we're looking at Florida State's schedule and they play Miami and they play Florida in the next four games. Those are huge rivalry games. Neither of those teams are ranked, but we know that anything can happen in those games. We also play Texas Tech at the end of the season. They're not ranked, but anything can happen in that game too. Um, that's about as crazy of a rivalry game as we have in second place, you know, after OU. So it's just about taking care of business at this point. But the college football landscape is is wide open except for Georgia and, and Florida State and whoever wins that Michigan-Ohio State game, like you said, Josh. So we just gotta hope that I mean it gets really gets really murky if Alabama and and Georgia dance and Alabama beats tide Georgia. Win. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be big. We're big tide fans, ironically. Um based on years prior but yeah usc too man if usc comes in the clutch which their defense is so 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 pitiful i can't imagine that happening and the players are great but the, the coordinating is terrible if they somehow beat washington at home this upcoming weekend that could be really beneficial for us so we are ironically trojan fans and bama fans uh in the interim future and they play oregon too in the near future okay fisher disopolis dj nikki snacks crider we'll see you guys next time with Quan cosby get your horns up on to k-state at home the 11 a.m uh ct 9 a.m pst kickoff what are they doing to us vibe killers <laughs>